This is Fearless Beauties, a podcast dedicated to elevating voices of color in the beauty industry. We are talking to estheticians, skin specialists, and business owners to uncover best skin practices, tactical career tips, and ultimately, how we can create a better beauty industry together. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. And I'm your other host, Taylor Phillips. I've been thinking about why large beauty organizations have such a hard time making change. Well, you know, Taylor, there's really only eight beauty companies in the United States that control almost all of the big brands. They control over 200 different brands. These eight companies are like moving the Titanic, I think. They're such large multi-million dollar companies and they've got layers and layers of bureaucracy. I think that in this time of social change, it's really the time for companies to kind of look around and make sure that they have the diverse representation in their leadership, not just change their advertising. The real change will come when leadership becomes more diverse. Taylor, from your psychology background, why is it important to have that diverse talent in beauty companies? Well, that's a good question, Mary. From a business perspective, Diversity and inclusion is what improves the company's overall functionality and productivity. Think about it. By pushing diversity, you open up a whole new realm of creativity because there are people from diverse backgrounds all working together to achieve a common goal. You're merging their different ideas and talents, which may be culturally and ethnically influenced. And in the end, the outcome will speak to a broader range of consumers. This starts with these leaders heading up these massive, influential beauty companies must understand the importance of diversity and inclusion in who they hire. At first, it may bring about some anxiety, which is normal, because different perspectives and behaviors are being integrated. But diversity without inclusion will create even more division. Marketing, product production, social media, they all must have an inclusive edge so that everyone, all skin, feels included, heard, and beautiful. Lastly, bringing in diverse talent and beauty industries allows underrepresented populations, such as African-American and Latinx men and women, to be highlighted. It's so important to appeal to all people, and you can only do that by having an inclusive mindset. Morally, it just takes an overall love and respect for other people. I just love the part where you talk about merging these different ideas so that ultimately the outcome is going to speak to a broader range of people. It's going to be more inclusive. And then that diversity is going to be a part of the entire culture shift from this Eurocentric idea of beauty. I think that we're just slowly moving the needle. A lot of small independent brands are rising up and they're really spearheading the diversity cry. I think it's important to have this diverse talent because it's going to create a societal sense of normalcy. You know, I remember when men becoming nurses was really unique. And so when you talked about it, they were a male nurse. But now I think it's really normal for men to go into all sorts of branches of allied medicine. And it's common for women to become physicians as well. Kind of dates myself. But so that when we're talking about our doctor, we don't just always assume that the person is a male. Taylor, what are your thoughts about how we can make sure people with different backgrounds do get a seat at the table? 
Yeah, well, first, I love how you mentioned the male nurse example because it's so true. I don't think you're aging yourself because I think even when I was a little girl, I thought of nurses as women and doctors as males. It's just societal norms and cultural norms and gender norms. But to make sure that people with different backgrounds have a seat at the table, simply invite them. And by that, I mean, allow everyone the chance to offer some cultural education and express themselves fully. Add some spice to the mix. It's just that simple. No, I love that. Just invite them. It seems so simple, right? But I think institutionalized racism, the segregational way that our society lives, it gives people fear of someone who doesn't look like them. So neighborhoods that aren't well integrated, that reminded me of the book, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? There's disproportionate economic advantage, there's educational opportunities, medical care, the list goes on and on. You know, and you look at how often in movies are the bad guys people of color. Not just black discrimination, but there's, you know, Latinx, Asian, other BIPOC communities. I don't know. What are your thoughts about how this even gets started or originates? I would say segregation originated from the intentional inclusion and oppression of people of color. So from slavery and then immigration in the U.S. Immigration for people of color was tougher than immigration for Europeans. They were told and felt that they didn't belong. They were not accepted. They were outsiders. And citizenship was only given to white people for a while. Although laws were passed throughout the years to welcome immigrants in, Native Americans, African Americans, Mexicans, etc., they were still pushed away. And the historical practices and policies that were created and maintained over many, many, many years is why racism and segregation still exist. Structural racism continues to segregate communities of color from unequal opportunities, healthcare, education, housing, etc. When immigrants came to the U.S., they found their own comfort in the chaos. They migrate to places where there are people who look like them. So they're trying to find comfort. That is how Chinatown came about, I imagined, or Little Haiti or Little Cuba in Miami. Although we're a country of individualists, there is safety in numbers. So Mary, didn't Brianna Kipler have an interesting perspective on this? Yes, she did. She's the founder of Seven Aesthetics in Dallas, Texas. She's been holding the organization she supports accountable for their actions. I come from a company where they promoted inclusivity, not through like advertisements, but also hiring people of color into really important positions. And when people of color, when consumers of color see that, that is the first step to knowing, okay, you're legit. It goes beyond a product offering. We need to see that real change happening within the institution because they want these dollars. They want people of color dollars. Our dollars are just as green as everyone else's. But to get that long-term, it goes beyond a product. We got to see Tasha's as VPs or as presidents, CEOs. We got to see, you know, Esmeralda's. We got to see from not just Black people, but from all walks of life. Where are the Middle Eastern people of leadership? You know, where are the like other ethnicities out there. Like it's, it goes beyond the black versus white thing for me. Like, what are we doing to promote everybody? Right. Because you can't just be one group. You know, I think that that's a little bit 
more on the marketing side. Like how whenever Black Lives Matter was really popping up, there was so much offerings to the Black community. And I feel like that that was a reactive approach and therefore lacked that sense of genuinity, you know? I want to see it from the top down. I want to see, like, who are you employing, you know? And also gender. This industry is made up of mostly females. There are men coming through. There are male estheticians. They deserve recognition too, but they've been in the game for a while. Where's the Black women of color, the Asian women in these positions or in these organizations? Brenna mentioned a really important point about how BIPOC population dollars are just as green as everyone else's. There's a huge market for this segment in the beauty industry. Why do you think there hasn't been any more done? Yeah, I love what Brenna said. People of color's dollars are just as green as everyone else's. And that honestly spoke volumes to me. But since most of these large beauty companies and brands are ran by white people, I think there hasn't been more done to include other ethnicities because they don't know where to start. The beauty industry just started getting inclusive a few years ago. But then again, minorities do not have the same opportunities. It takes a lot more work and effort for Black, Latinx, Indian, etc. to get even half of what white people have been given and earned in this industry. And that's just a sad truth. These leaders must take initiative and open up avenues for diverse employment opportunities because they know it needs to be done and not as a reaction to what's trending socially. Like Brenna said, after the BLM movement, the African-American population was getting so much positive attention. You started seeing more representation in commercials, marketing campaigns, ads, T-shirts, etc. Where was all this before? I think a lot of this just stems from white privilege and access to these leadership positions. There are some people who feel that equality somehow means that they're going to be losing something. And, you know, we've been dealing with this for over 150 years. It really goes back to the ugly and horrific truth of the slave foundation that started our country. You know, African people stolen from their communities. Their culture was taken from them. They were transported to a country that didn't believe that they were really fully human, counted as only three-fifths of a person. It just hurts my heart. The fact that slavery just gets perpetuated through the matriarchal lineage, right? A black woman slave could be impregnated by her white slave owner and then her children were born slaves. So this guaranteed a workforce of slaves. Then when the emancipation happened, white people in power just instigated continued oppression, government, education, voting rights, medical care. This is an issue, obviously, that's going to take years to correct. It's going to take a generation of new thought but it has to start with leadership taking that initiative to make it happen. It definitely will take a while. We're starting to build equality in this country, and we haven't even come close to where it should be. And how you mentioned that white people in these leadership positions, they might feel they're losing something because minorities are given equal opportunities. That's just another sad truth. And I'm glad that you're bringing awareness to that. But speaking of leadership, when it comes to taking the initiative to rip this band-aid of inequality and racism off. Mary, remind me again about that Glymed situation. What happened and why was it so offensive? 
Climed is a really popular brand. It's an annual $10 million plus skincare company. It's been around for almost 20 years. They have really purported to be inclusive, but the owner of the company is a racist and she posted really offensive things on her social media, particularly during the George Floyd and Black Lives Matter protests. The comments have been taken off now, but it was really a bit of a shit show when Black Lives Matter was in the forefront of everybody's attention six months ago. And then the company came forward, they offered a pretty weak apology, saying the views of its owner were not the views of the employees. And she was no longer leading the company, but a board of directors was in charge. However, she still is getting the profits from the company. They continued to get a lot of backlash. And that's when I actually canceled my account with them because I didn't want her to get any profit from me. Her values just didn't align with mine. But what was interesting is that Brenna had a really different viewpoint on the situation. Interesting. I really want to hear what Brenna has to say. Actually, right now, I am part of Glymed Plus's Unity Advisory Board. I actually saw it on her Facebook. And I was like, what is this? And I was really close to canceling my account. I really sat and thought about it for a few days because that would have been a huge, like, shift for my business. I'm talking 90% of my back bar was was climate. And as I was teetering with that decision, I was speaking with my account manager and a few other climate plus professionals And I was like, you know, first of all, I want to make sure that no one else in this company feels this way, because if that's the truth, because I feel like my background in corporate America, I understand that sometimes the CEO's actions do not reflect the rest of the company's beliefs and working so closely with the company like Glymed, as long as I have, like I've been working with them since I was in school. I was like, I know that these people know better. And so... I think one of their account reps um, had commented on one of my photos on Instagram and I instantly commented back. I was like, please let me know that your company does not stand for this. And she was quick to be like, nope, we absolutely do not. We're going to be coming out with, you know, an official statement, everything like that. Now their official statement was not the best in my eyes. I was like, y'all can do so much better. And Then seeing how they were responding to, well, is Christine still getting paid and everything like that? I was like, I think that transparency is of the utmost importance in these cases because, first of all, it's the internet. We're going to find out regardless. But after having those conversations and seeing what they were claiming to do, I was like, okay, let me see if this is actually going to work. And I was speaking with the Climate Plus Institute, the director of the education, and she was saying that they were coming out with a board and it was only be comprised of people of color to really help them with just hearing straight from their consumers or from their audience, like how they can improve. And I was like, who else is doing this? You know, no one else is willing to accept criticism, constructive criticism from the very audience that they offended, you know? And so I felt like that was really big. And I was speaking about it with my aesthetics instructor who's been working with Glymed for these years. And she made me feel a little bit more comfortable with the decision by giving me her own background, like knowledge, and just letting me know that, 
you know, not all companies in the skincare industry do this, where they have this board. And I'm like, well, I come from corporate America and we have all these types of boards. So why is this a new thing for the skincare industry? So to be a part of something as pivotal as this and actually seeing our feedback really get some traction built under it has helped restore my confidence with Glymed. But at the same time, like the work is never done. It's not, okay, you built this board. Okay, I forgive you. It's that constant desire to do better, to learn from your mistakes and to stay transparent. Because like I said, the internet tells all. And I would hate for them to undo all of the great work that they've established by really backing out of their promises. So I hope one day this situation can really be fully rectified and you know, maybe more people can implement this sort of action, but only time can tell, you know? So Mary, what are your thoughts on Brenna's perspective of the Glymed situation? She really made me look at it from a different point of view. I think that she looked at her business model and she had to judge the value of the skincare line to her practice. And she also had to think about the trust she had in the people in the company that were going to follow through on their claims for change. She'd been with the company a lot longer than I had, and she had real established relationships with them, so she was willing to stick with them. I also think that it helped that Glymed asked her to be on their board. Taylor, what did you think? Well, like you said, I think it's great to get another perspective on the situation. I really appreciated what Brenna had to say. Her opening up was truly vulnerable. But from a business standpoint, I think Brenna did the right thing. Her morals stayed intact. And I think that is why there was some hesitation to continue working for Glymed. But talking it over with the people she trusted was a good step to take, just to make sure she was doing what was right for not only her business, but for her. I think that Glymed comprising a board of only people of color, African American, Indigenous, etc., is a bold step to becoming a more inclusive brand and what should be done after the ridiculousness their former owner said. I just hope they continue to become more inclusive. They have tons of eyes on them now. They can't slip up, not even for a little bit. Well, I think the Glymed story is unique because the owner was just blatantly racist, where other companies' leaders might have unconscious bias and they're not even aware of their prejudices. I know that huge companies like L'Oreal, they've been called out and now they've created task force and advisory boards to address ways to become more inclusive. Brenna mentioned that Glymed had created a board that she's now a part of to get feedback from the BIPOC population. Is that enough? Taylor, do you think beauty companies should be doing more than that? Well, it seems that Glymed, they're just quickly trying to cover up the mess that was done. And they should, but I want them to be intentional about inclusion and diversity. I don't think it's enough, but it's a good start. I see that they have donated to five organizations focused on racial justice, like the NAACP and also the Innocence Project. And I think that's amazing. They have also united with the DEI, which stands for Diversity, Equality and Inclusion Partner, to make sure their verbiage is appropriate. And they have also reached out to Estes of Color in order to make their portfolio more diverse. They're doing a lot of good things, but they should have been doing this. Why did it take so long for them to recognize their lack of inclusivity? Beauty companies should take the climate situation and combat their unconscious bias now. 
Become more inclusive. Hire employees of all ethnicities and backgrounds. Take the initiative to do better. Well, after my conversation with Brenna, I wanted to hear more views on what corporations can be doing to support a diverse range of consumers. Yeah, the first two people that come to mind are Barry and Jen from Lip Gloss and Aftershave. I absolutely love this brand. So let's hear what they have to say. I can't speak for anything other than like the professional skincare industry where we do a lot of work. But one of the things that our focus has been since we started, I've always been the crazy liberal in my family of hardcore Republicans. And I've always been that one that's sort of like, don't get him started. <laughs> and so I said to Jenny, when we first started doing this, I said flat out, like when we started having guest bloggers, we had a page of guest bloggers. I said, I do not want to see a sea of white faces on there. I'm like, we are such a diverse world. I really want a mix of black, white, Latino, Asian. I want gay, trans. I want it all. I feel like people have hopes and dreams when they see themselves in a place that they can grow into. And so I love Danae King because he is an openly gay man who owns a multinational skincare company and he's an icon in the industry. And I told him one day, I was like, I love that you are openly gay. I love that you are so supportive of diversity because I see myself in you and that lets people like us see themselves in you and see the potential to become a success, to see the potential for themselves to have a place at that table. And that is what's something that I wanted to give to everybody. And so we, we made that commitment. I love Barry's statement about seeing yourself in someone else and feeling empowered to become successful as well. Taylor, how important is it for aspiring estheticians to see themselves in the influential people in the beauty industry? Well, it's so important, Mary. For those aspiring estheticians, they need someone to relate to. Someone who is transparent about their journey, their trials and tribulations, and their successes. To be able to see that someone with their same goal made it, and they can too. Barry mentions that he wanted lip gloss and aftershave to represent the diverse world that we're living in. How can large corporations adopt a similar philosophy? I think it will take a really radical approach in their leadership style. Those in leadership with white privilege really have to open up about bringing diversity within their own ranks and then use a radical approach. Consumers are going to need to have a radical approach because they need to put pressure for greater representation. Using social media to just demand more and then spending your money with companies that align with your values. The bus boycotts in the South, 1950s, that brought about cities to integrate busing because they needed people to ride the buses. And I think these people boycotted the buses for over a year. It requires leadership like Martin Luther King, who kept inspiring the community to keep going. Because I think there were times where I don't want to walk to work. I don't want to get a ride. I just want to ride the bus because that's my way of getting to work. So having leadership that is going to inspire people to keep going. 
I think some of the Black Lives Matter impetus from this summer has been lost because they haven't had a strong leader that's had clear goals that the majority of people can identify with. Taylor, what kind of ideas do you have about corporate change? Well, I just want to see corporate change happen organically and not forcefully. Like, don't do it because you feel like it's what's trending. Seeing Black people on ads and calling yourself inclusive, that's just going to come back to bite you in the butt. It's time for these leaders to step up and bring people of color in. Be intentional. Ask questions. Soak in feedback from consumers. Be transparent and get help from people who know what they're talking about. If you want to be more inclusive, bring in some diversity into your companies, your boards, your finance, marketing, commercials, legal team, everything. What have Barry and Jenny done to make a change in the industry and expand their perspectives? There were always people that we had that we've worked with because one of the things that we love to do is we love to talk to everybody and find out what's going on and listen and hear and see and do. And we want perspective. We want feedback. And so I was like, you know what? Why don't we just ask the people that we've been talking to for the past three years to sit on a panel and like have official input from them on our editorial okay. focus and what we write about. Because I mean, truthfully, I'm like a gay white man. Jenny is a straight white woman. Like our everyday lives are that. That is how we see the world. That is how we are treated in the world. So how we are treated in the world can also impact our perspective. I am treated with privilege because I'm a white man. Sometimes the gay takes a little bit of the privilege away, you know, but like sometimes. So like what I wanted to do is I wanted to give people who have a different not necessarily view on life, but of people who are viewed differently. Yeah. I wanted to give them a perspective on what we're writing about. And Jen, how'd that go? And open our eyes because it's like, well, it, there were topics that came out that was like, oh my, I didn't even think about that. And one, and actually this always comes to my mind, you know, we came up with this whole conversation spreadsheet of like pop in things that you guys want to say. And it was holidays because there's holidays that, I don't even think about and there's things that I that people are celebrating that I don't even it's not on my radar and I think that that was a huge thing for me that's like well what do they think is cool what do they think is trendy and what do they see coming down the pipeline because that's what we wanted our platform to be for is for everyone for everyone yeah. to come there and see themselves connect. yes and feel like they can connect in some way shape or form to something you're not going to connect to everything all the time you know right. but find something that that you love about our site. Mary, what are your thoughts on Barry and Jenny's panel? Well, I love their panel. And I think they're really in touch with the industry and they're responding and even being proactive to make change. They're really acting as industry leaders. And I think they're offering a blueprint for others to follow. Any thoughts, Taylor, on why the feedback from people of all backgrounds and genders is so important? Well, first, I agree with you. I think Lip Gloss and Aftershave is an inclusive brand, and they are doing a great job of being relatable. I think as a company in the beauty industry, there is a responsibility to make everyone feel included. So feedback from all backgrounds and genders will ensure that everyone feels heard, and it will make you more understanding as a company. Also, asking for honest feedback will help companies make their brand a place where everyone feels included. 
Inclusivity makes individuals, no matter race, gender, or sexuality, feel they belong. On another note, Mary, how can listeners use their privilege to make a difference? First of all, speak up. For white listeners, I think that means paying attention to what's around you. Notice those omissions of BIPOC people and then bring it up. Continue to educate yourself. I just started this new book called Unconscious Bias by Pamela Fuller, and it's really opening my eyes to ways that I have a bias that I'm, of course, not aware of. It's unconscious. But then being open to just checking yourself, also making sure of the companies where you're spending your money. One of the biggest things I've heard from both Brenna and Barry and Jenny is the need to communicate with a diverse array of consumers. For Glymed, it was creating a board focused on diverse perspectives. For lip gloss and aftershave, it was putting together a panel. Yeah, bringing in new perspectives lend to learning about what the needs in the market truly are. Without feedback, it's essentially the blind leading the blind. Well, when I spoke to Onisha Clare, she had a really interesting point about this, both from a personal and a professional standpoint. I do work with brands, even though I'm a solopreneur, I do train for companies. And I actually just had an interaction with a company that I love, that I know the owners, I've interacted with them. I think they're really dope people. They create amazing products. And I wanted to promote a class. And what I noticed was they have a lot of templates, but none of the templates had any models that were of African descent. And I was bothered for two reasons. My initial botherment was with myself because I've been a trainer for this company for two and a half years. And I'm going to try not to cry. Um, And I noticed it two and a half years ago. And I didn't say anything. And it really... It makes me feel disappointed in myself because there it's a great product. It's a global brand. Why not? Right? And why I, I was really conflicted with myself as to why didn't I say anything? Right? I'm representing you. I'm of African descent. Why wouldn't I want to? And obviously, people of African descent are using your product. And so the first thought was like, Onisha, why didn't you say anything two and a half years ago? Because I definitely noticed it then. Then my second thought was when they responded, because I did go ahead and bring up to, hey, do you have any, any templates of models? When you go on their website, there's no models of African descent. The certificates that they send out to say, you know, you're certificated have no models of African descent. It's actually really upsetting because you see all of this beautiful work that's being done on these models, but nobody looks like me, my friends, or the people in my community. It really feels like one's beauty is being erased. Right. And, and it's not valued. And like and and I believe the people that own these companies, they're small business owners like you and me. Right. Like they're they're piecing it together. They just have a better marketing plan, <laughs> but they have the resources. And the, the response that I got was basically to mind you, I'm just bringing up. They, they gave me this really long, well thought out response. 
And I mean, and I'm still actually conflicted by it. Um, but basically, they were saying, oh, where we are because of the COVID, there are no models of African descent. And our focus is basically lashes, uh, not the person's skin color. We just we just haven't found anybody at this time. That's basically what they said. But they said it in like nine paragraphs. I don't want to make it seem pretty really brief. But, you know, my initial response was, y'all tell me y'all don't got no black people. Where you at? Come on now. <laughs> I, I've been assisting my entire life. You're telling me that you, where you are, and then we're, and then, you know, just, just, just to be PC. There's no one of African descent. You don't have anybody of Indian descent. No Asian descent. I'm telling you that there's all of their models are a hundred percent of European, and and it's just. Again, so what can the, the aesthetics industry do to just kind of bring it all around? Representation, right? Representation matters. And it matters to me. It matters to little girls that look like me. And it, it matters to little girls who are also of European descent, right? Because we all live in this world together. And, and, and I think that that's odd. That's weird to me, like, you know, that to walk into an arena that's global, but the globe isn't represented. So right. I don't know how uh, aesthetics brands, and we're talking about skin, everybody got it. Everybody has skin. So I don't know how brands can purport to be global and have no global representation. That's my real thought. I think that's what the aesthetics industry can really do is really work on uh, representation. One thing that Onisha said that really stood out to me was representation matters. And I think that with our recent election and Kamala Harris as our vice president-elect, first woman, first black woman, first South Asian woman, her position of leadership is going to inspire thousands of young girls to see that they have that potential. Barry talked about Danae King and his impact on the gay community. That empowerment goes a long way towards inclusivity and breaking down biases. But Onisha talked about how she had noticed the same issue of the brand using only models of European descent two years ago, but she didn't speak up. So Taylor, why do you think that people sometimes don't speak up? What challenges can they face? I do want to say that I appreciate Onisha confronting the fact that she did not speak up to this company two years prior. It takes a lot of courage to admit that. Not to speak for her, but I do think that people in Onisha's situation do not speak up out of fear. Fear of not knowing what to say, how to say it, or losing their position. I can also say the same for the leaders for these large beauty corporations. Confronting their company's lack of representation and inclusivity, where do they begin? What do they say? The marginalization in their company is so large, and they're most likely aware of it, that they have the fear of saying something wrong and possibly offending their minority consumers, which is definitely a challenge they can face. Well, for me, it just reminded me about that time several years ago when I didn't speak up to the store clerk who was being disrespectful to my daughter-in-law. You know, I just, I didn't speak up. I was silent and she and I just left the store. But I know that today, if that same thing happened, I would speak up. 
because I think my awareness and really boldness to call things out has been awakened. And the world is almost demanding that I use my voice to make some change. You're using your privilege for good, you know? I believe that's why Fearless Beauties is a brand, Estes Trust. You see a problem and you do your research to help combat it. You can't let fear hold you back from inclusion and fully engaging in what is right. It just takes some homework and a real want to see change. With these beauty corporations, instead of fixing the problem after it has begun, like Glymed, leaders must initiate the eagerness to learn what their consumers want and need. And when hiring employees of color, do not rely on them to be your voice. You have to do the work yourself. Consumers will notice those efforts, and it makes it easier to trust the brand's integrity and their willingness to lead fairly. Well, what are your thoughts about that brand's response to Onisha? Well, I think it is safe to say that the excuse this brand gave was bogus. Saying COVID was the reason they had a lack of inclusive representation in their marketing and that they just haven't been able to find anyone is honestly embarrassing to hear. It's just a horrible excuse. So you're saying that no other ethnicity is represented because of their unavailability? Wow, you got to do better than that. Well, in 2020 and approaching 2021, I think we all have to make personal commitments to speak up for those who are marginalized, either individually or in groups. We can't let the work that has been done so far go unfinished. We really have to hold companies accountable that have started moves towards equality. Yeah, I definitely agree. This episode has been filled with four incredible speakers who are making a change in our industry. It's never been more important for beauty brands to start making a change from the top down so we can create a sustainable impact that is inclusive of all people. I know that my key lessons have been to dive a little deeper into companies and see what their leadership makeup is like in addition to their marketing outreach. Where are they with representation and inclusivity? Change is going to take longer if it's only coming from consumer demand. It needs a corporate commitment and leadership from the top as well. What about you, Taylor? Well, I definitely agree with your key lessons, Mary. I would also add that diving deeper into leadership means internally analyzing your unconscious biases as a leader and how that has presented some inequalities in the brand. Is there something you could be doing internally to change the tone? Maybe something you have never thought of because of your privileges. Another key takeaway for me is understanding that it's okay to ask questions as leaders and admit that you don't know. I think it's better to get the help than ignore a pretty big concern. Have accountability for change. Ask yourself, what voice or representation is missing in our brand? And seek help from underrepresented voices. Learn and listen without judgment. I think beauty brands need to look within their company as well as examining individual commitments to diversity. You know, have some internal training on unconscious bias, racism, gender discrimination, and then move towards more than just vague promises of action, but having accountability. Taylor, what do you think our listeners can do to demand more representation and inclusivity in the beauty industry? Well, I would say to constantly hold brands accountable and do it fearlessly. Ask them those OMG questions. Say, hey, I noticed there isn't any people of color represented in your marketing. Why is that? And what are the steps you're taking to change that? Just ask. 
marginalization is just wrong and speaking up and wanting more for minorities is the right thing to do. Thank you for listening to Fearless Beauties, a show dedicated to elevating voices of color in the beauty industry. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. And I'm your other host, Taylor Phillip. Until next time, keep educating yourself, remember to stay open, and be fearless in the pursuit of creating a better, more inclusive world. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Special thanks to my co-host Taylor and our producers at Quill Inc. For the next two weeks, we'll be taking a holiday break, but we'll be back on January 7th. In the meantime, stay safe, wear your mask, wash your hands. We'll see you in the new year.